0: We'll begin from ayah number 240. And those people who are given death among you. To fully recall, to fully take. So, meaning their souls are fully taken. Taken by who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By the angel of death. So, those people who die, in other words. And this is referring to the men. So, وَالَّذِينَ يَتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ And why has this been said, minkum from among you? Meaning from among you, believers. If a Muslim man dies, if a believing man dies, and when he dies, وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا And they leave behind wives. yadaruna waudal رَ وَذَرَ To leave something as it is. And aswaj is a plural of zoj, zoj spouse. But over here, because the men are being spoken of, their spouses are who? Obviously, wives. So they die and they leave behind their wives, meaning their widows. Wasiyatan, a wasiyah, a bequest, li for their wives. Meaning these men, before they die, they should have made a wasiyah in the favor of their wives. What is a wasiyah? We have done this word many times before. It's It's a will... Wasiyah literally is an important instruction that a person gives with a lot of emphasis. So wasiyah is a will, the instruction that a person gives to his family, to his loved ones before he dies, that when I die, do such and such with my property. When I die, do such and such with my children. When I die, do such and such. Like Ibrahim alayhi salam, Ya'qub alayhi salam, all of the prophets, when they died before They died, what did they do? They gave important instructions to their children that make sure you remain firm on the deen. You worship only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we learned at the end of the first juz in Surah Al-Baqarah. So, wasiyah is not the instruction that is given concerning your wealth, but also concerning anything that you believe is important, that you want your children, your family to remember and to observe properly. So, over here, the men are required that before they die, they should have made a wasiyah, an instruction, a will, in the favor of their wives. Now obviously nobody knows when they're gonna die. Correct? So what does it mean? That in their lives, in their normal life, when they're living their normal lives, they should have made this will from before. You know, recently a sister, she asked me that how can I have my will written down? Because she said she had a really bad accident recently and she felt that she was going to die. And it really scared her that what's going to happen with my children? What's going to happen with my wealth? I mean, who's going to take care of my kids? Where are they going to go? I should have some kind of will or something that my family can take, my friends can take and they know what I want should be done with my children. So, wasiya is something that is necessary that a person should make in his lifetime before even the signs of death approach. Meaning even when a person is healthy, there is no problem, there is no illness, there is no risk, apparent risk, clear risk of death. And that state even a person should make a will. Now yes, I mentioned to you earlier, that when it comes to property, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned the shares to the heirs. That this particular heir gets this much share. And the details inshallah we will learn in Surat an Nisa. Right, But we learned earlier that how much can a person make a will of? Up to a third, up to one third. He can say, okay, give this one third of my property to so-and-so orphanage, to so-and-so masjid, to so-and-so friend, to so-and-so distant relative, to so-and-so poor person. Okay, He can make that will, but that's up to only how much? A third. But the rest of the property has to be divided according to the laws of inheritance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. Now this ayah that we're going to study right now was revealed in the beginning, in the early era. Which means that this ayah was abrogated later on with which verses? The verses of miras, the verses that tell us about the laws of inheritance. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept it in the Qur'an and there are benefits to that, which inshallah we will discuss afterwards. But the men, they're required that they should make a will in the favor of azwajihim, in the favor of their wives. It doesn't matter whether they have one or more wives. It doesn't matter whether their wives are very well off or they're not. It doesn't matter whether their wives have children, they have families or they don't, regardless of their age, regardless of their financial status. It doesn't matter. The husband was required to make a will in the favor of his wife before he died. And what was that will? Mata'an, a benefit ila al haul. Until an entire year. Mata'. What is mata'? Something that a person benefits from. So, in other words, the husband should make a will in the favor of the wife that my wife can enjoy up to, let's say, $20,000. Okay? When I die. Okay? So, mata'an ila al In other words, the husband had to make a will in the favor of the wife, that would provide the wife with residence as well as money so that she would have enough to get by for an entire year. مَتَعْن مَتَعْن so the expenses of an entire year would be covered. Okay? So the husband would say that my wife should be given this much money or all her needs should be taken care of for a year after I die. Okay? إِلَى <الْحَوْل> For an entire year. And حَوْل is what? حَوَوْلَمْ It's used for a year. And غَيْرَ إِخْرَاج غَيْرَ Other than, meaning without, إِخْرَاج, expulsion. إِخْرَاج, خَارَاجِ What Khuruj? To leave. Meaning without the women being turned out from the houses of their husbands. In other words, the women had the right to stay in the houses of their deceased husbands for how long? For how long? An entire year after the death of the husband. Okay? After that year, then that property, that house, would be distributed amongst the heirs. Okay? But not just the house. Also the expenses would have to be covered. From what? From his savings or whatever money he had bequeathed in her favor. So, matān إِلَى الْحَوْلِ غَيْرَ إِخْرَاجِ What are the two things then? First of all, expenses are covered. And secondly, residence has to be provided. Yes. Yes, Inshallah, we will learn that about that later in detail. That when it comes to the law of inheritance, every deserver of a share has been given his share already. In that are the children of the man. The heirs also include the spouse, okay, the wife. If the wife dies, her husband is also included, okay, amongst the heirs. The parents, the siblings, depending on which relatives are alive, the heirs get their shares. You can't get more than what is already assigned to you. But I told you that this ayah was revealed at the beginning in the early era. Okay, this is why you see matān ilā ghayra ikhraj. For an entire year, the woman was to stay in the house of the husband after the death of the husband. Okay, but we know that how much is the iddah of a woman now, of a widow? Four months and ten days. So she is only required to stay for four months and ten days now, and after that, she can go. Okay? But in the early era, a woman was to stay in the house of the husband for how long? An entire year. And over there, all of her expenses would be covered by what? By the estate, the property that was left behind by the husband. So her right came first, and then the brother could inherit, then the father could inherit, then the son could inherit. Do you understand? Everyone else became secondary. Who was the primary heir of the husband? The wife. Now this was phenomenal. Because at that time, it could not even be imagined that a wife would inherit from the estate of the deceased husband. I mentioned to you earlier that women, the wives, would be taken as Property. They would be distributed amongst the heirs, just as houses and furniture would be distributed. Now imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that no, you don't take anything, everything stays with the wife for how long? For an entire year. Her expenses have to be covered, and that is her house. She has the right to stay there for an entire year. But yes, this is something very good. You know, the wife can enjoy, everything goes to her or majority of it goes to her. But there is some harm in this. And what is the harm? That let's say the son, he needs some money. He needs to perhaps complete his education, travel, get his degree, pay off his debts, get married, whatever. And the money is stuck where? In the house. And who's living in the house? The mother. Yes, the mother has the right to stay there. But for an entire year, if he has to wait, that's a little long. Isn't it so? Even if he gets only 25% of the house or 50% of the house, regardless of what he gets. But eventually he's supposed to get a share of that house, right? Eventually he is supposed to get a share of the property that his father left behind. Now it's not fair that the mother keeps everything or the majority of it. Likewise, the brother or the father, the mother, the mother of the deceased, right? they have shares too. They have their rights too. So then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abrogated this ayah. Allah abrogated this verse later on. With which verses? Two verses. Which ones are they? One, we have learned already, ayah number 234, that, وَالَّذِينَ يَتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ وَأَشْرًا That their iddah was reduced from an entire year to how much? Four months and ten days. And those four months and ten days, where does the woman stay? In the house of the husband. After that, the house can be sold and distributed amongst the heirs, whatever. But four months and ten days, the wife has the right to stay in the house of the husband. Secondly, the second verse which abrogated this ayah was which one? That we learn in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 12. Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 12. That what is it that the woman Gets, receives as her share of inheritance from her deceased husband's property, how much does she get? We learned that. That for the women is how much? A quarter. A quarter of the entire estate that the husband has left behind. The rest of the three quarters, who do they go to? The other shares, the children, and so on and so forth. Okay? So, this ayah, in other words, is abrogated. Is there any wisdom behind that? You might feel that, oh, you know, it would have been so good if the woman got to keep everything for an entire year, everything is hers, and she could have sold it, and she could have used as much as she wanted. But would that be fair? Would that be fair? No, it wouldn't be just. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very just. Now a person may wonder, that why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not simply give the command of, the idda is four months and ten days, and the wife's share of inheritance is a quarter. And in other cases, it's one eight. Why not simply... The final command. Why was this command given first? What do you think the reason is? That this command was given first? That a year the woman lives in the house of the husband and her expenses are covered. Why do you think this was given first? Yes. Exactly. At that time, in that society, the commands were revealed gradually. And people needed time to adjust to accept. It was a huge change. Now, remember that earlier... Earlier, amongst the Jahili Arabs, the iddah of the widow was how much? It was a year. Correct? I mentioned to you earlier that a woman would stay for an entire year in a place locked up, closed, all by herself, not even touch water, whatever. We can't even imagine it. So anyway, she would sit for her idda for an entire year anyway. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala slightly altered that. How? That yes, the idda is one year, however she will live like a normal person. okay? The rulings of Iddah are different. And when she's there, her expenses will be covered. And then later on, what happened? The Iddah was reduced. The woman was given even more freedom. And she was given her share that you take it and you do whatever you want. You're not bound to that house for an entire year. You can get remarried. You can go somewhere else. It's up to you. Okay? So, this naskh was there. This command was given in stages. Why? So that it was easier for people to adjust to accept. Okay. So matān ilā الْحَوْلِ ghayra iḥraj. But then Allah subhanahu wa taala says that in khurajina. But if they leave khurajina, khārājim khuruj, and khuruj is to go out, meaning if the women, the widows, if they leave the houses of their husbands before. One year comes to an end. Let's say after five months, six months, the woman says, you know what, I want to move away from here. I want to go to my parents who live in another city. Okay? So if she wants to move away, is there any harm in that? Or does she have to stay in the house of the deceased husband? Allah says, فَإِنْ فَلَا جُنَاحَ Then there is no blame upon you. There is no sin upon you. Who does you refer to? Alaykum. كُمْ is masculine. So it refers to the men? Which men? There's no sin on you, O men, if those women leave their houses. Who are these men? The guardians. The guardians of the women. Because the guardian is responsible for the women who are under his care. right? So the men are being told that, look, you are not at fault if they decide to leave before a year. As long as... Fi ma concerning that which they do, fi anfusihinna concerning themselves, mim ma'ruf in the manner that is appropriate. Meaning, if they leave in a manner that is appropriate, or whatever they do, like they decide to get married, if everything is done in the appropriate manner, then you are not at fault. And what is ma'ruf? That which is accepted by the Sharia and that which is accepted by the culture as well, culturally acceptable and Shar'īn it is acceptable. So if the woman decides that she wants to get married again after eight months, can she get married? Yes, she can. But as long as it's ma'roof, not that she's dating and she's going out with other people. No, it has to be ma'roof. Likewise, she wants to leave the house, travel, go to visit some family. She does so in a manner that is appropriate. Then there is no sin on the guardians at all. Wallahu azizun Hakim, and Allah is mighty and He is wise. Allah is mighty that Allah has the power to. He has the authority to give whatever command He wants and he's Hakim. there's Hikmah, there's wisdom of Allah behind every command, every law that he has legislated. Now there are a number of things that we learn in this verse. First of all, we see that a woman when her husband dies, okay when her husband dies, she still keeps the status of being the wife of that dead man. Okay? Meaning, it can't be done that if the husband dies and his dead body is lying over there, you know, the woman is told, don't touch it. Don't come near it. He's non-mahram to you. No, no. He is dead, yes. But she still keeps the status of being his wife. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا They leave behind wives. Meaning the women whom they were married to when they died, they still are their wives. Okay? And this is the reason why a woman, she will not immediately get married to somebody else after the death of her husband. Rather, she has to wait until her idda is over. When her idda is over, then she can marry somebody else. Right? We know that a woman cannot have multiple husbands at a time. Correct? She cannot have multiple husbands at a time. So, when her husband dies, she is still considered the wife of that dead man. Okay, which is why she will stay in that house, which is why she will not get married to somebody else, but this is for how long? Only four months and ten days. After that, what is her status? Like that of a single woman. So she can marry somebody else, she can live somewhere else, she's totally free. You understand? And this is the reason why a woman, the widow, can even give the bath to the body of her husband. Meaning she can even give the ghusl before the janazah, before the funeral prayer. To who? To her husband. She can touch the body. If that was not permissible, if she lost her status of being the wife of that man, then she would not be allowed to touch the body. She would not be allowed to bathe the body either. Is it clear? But remember that after the iddah is over, then the woman is? But some people don't get over this. They think that even if twenty years have gone by, thirty years have gone by, she is still the wife of that dead man and she cannot even think about getting married to somebody else. She cannot even think about you know giving away the things that perhaps he gave to him. It's not even accepted in the society. Okay. Another thing that we learn this ayah, like I mentioned to you, it is mansukh it is abrogated by which verses? The two that I mentioned to you earlier. Ayat 234 of Surah Baqarah and Surah An Nisa, Ayah number 12, the Ayah which specifies the iddah of the widow, and secondly, the Ayah of miras. But some scholars say that this verse is still applicable. It is still applicable. Why? Because it's coming after mentioning the iddah of the widow. So they say that in some cases, you know, the man may make the wasiyah that my wife after my death should be allowed to stay in my house for an entire year and her expenses should be covered from the estate that I leave behind. And after that year, you may distribute the property amongst the heirs according to the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some scholars actually consider this still applicable, that a man can make the wusiyah in the favor of his wife, that she can stay in his house for up to a year and her expenses should be covered by the estate. However, this is a minority opinion. The stronger opinion is the one that I mentioned to you earlier, that it is mansoukh. Because this is what we see clearly in the Qur'an and this is what the Sahaba also mentioned. Another important thing that we learn in this verse is that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon His servants is far greater than the mercy that people can show to one another. Because here we see that Allah is commanding the men that before you die, before you die, make sure that your wife has a home. Make sure that your wife, her expenses are covered. Don't leave her just like that, that she has no idea where to eat from, where to live, where to go. Don't do that to her. You know, the spouses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed love and mercy amongst them. We learned about this in the Quran in Surah Al-Rum, that وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً Allah has placed between husband and wife love and mercy. Which is why the man, he goes and works all day long, and then whatever savings that he has, he has been saving for months, he spends it on the wife's vacation. That she wants to travel to go somewhere. Right? And he has to because it's his wife. It's her Right? If he didn't have that love and mercy for her, you think he would spend all of his savings on her? No, he'd rather go buy a brand new motorbike or something, you know, go on a trip with his friends, but he is spending that money on the wife. Why? Because Allah has kept love and mercy between the husband and wife for one another. But we see that the mercy that Allah has towards servants is far greater. That Allah is telling the men that you leave something behind for your wives. Make sure she has accommodation and she also has you know, some money so that her needs may be taken care of. Allah is giving us our rights. Allah is taking care of us. Women complain that in our deen, oh, we are ignored, we have been given less rights. No, look at these verses and think about it. That Allah has really protected the women that when a woman is unmarried, who is supposed to look after her? Her guardians. When she's married, who's supposed to look after her? Her husband. And when her husband dies, who is supposed to look after her? Again, her guardians. She is never left to herself. And if she is left on her own, who is responsible? The guardians are sinful. The guardians are sinful. So if a woman, she doesn't have money, she's living in a state of fear, she's in danger, who is going to be asked? Her guardians. Where is her father? Where is her brother? Where is her husband? Where is her closest male relative? So it's the obligation of the community, of the men of Islamic societies, to protect and to take care of who? Of the women. People cannot become selfish. They have to take care of each other. There are times when you have to step in and protect the women who are under your care, whom you are responsible for. Then we also learn in this verse, that the husband, he can do wasiyah for the wife. That he tells the wife, or he tells his heirs that when I die, my wife lives in the house for an entire year, and that my wife, all of her expenses should be covered. He can make the wasiyah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that in But if they leave, they decide to go, And if they decide to go get married, if they decide to do something else, then there is no blame on you, O guardians. So what does it mean? That a man may make the wasriah for the wife, but the wife is not obligated to live by it. Do you understand? The husband may make wasriah for his wife, that when I die, O my wife, do such and such, and don't do such and such. But the wife is not obligated to observe it. She is not obligated to accept it. So for example, if a man says to his wife, promise me, or I am telling you as a husband, that when I die, you are not going to get married to anybody. If he says that to her, is she bound to observe that? No. What if she falls in love after? What if she finds a better option? I mean, does she not have the freedom to marry somebody else? She has. Even though her husband said, don't get married to somebody else at all? Yes. Because Allah says, as long as it is ma'roof, it is culturally acceptable, acceptable in the deen, then there is no harm. The women have the freedom, they have the right to decide what they want to do. Okay? Likewise, if the husband says, this ring, never take it off. And now the husband's gone. And she's getting older and it's getting tight on her finger or whatever. It's very uncomfortable. She's developing some kind of pain in her finger or whatever. You know, as people age, they get issues with their skin, they develop issues with their bones, whatever. So she wants to take it off. Can she take it off? Yes, she can. Likewise, he says, these bangles, never take them off. She wants to take them off. But she says, no, my husband, he's gone now and he told me that I should keep my bangles on until I die. So, I can't take them off. No, you can. And these examples, by the way, are real. They're not uh, imaginary. They're not fictional. Okay? These things happen. These things happen in some societies. That the wife is bound to live by the wasiyah of the husband, no matter how you know, impractical it is. In this ayah, we learn that, فَلَا جْنَاحَ There is no blame on you if the women decide to do something else with themselves, as long as it is maruf. I mean, if a woman takes off her ring, she's not doing something haram. Are women allowed to remove their jewelry? Islamically? Of course. Are they allowed to sell their bangles, their gold bangles? Of course they are. There's no sin on them for doing that. So as long as what they're doing is halal, it is permissible, then there is no harm. Let's say the husband says, that my wasiyah to you is that when I die, please keep your hijab on, never take it off. Then is she bound to observe that? Yes. Because if she takes off that hijab, then who is she? Disobeying as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Would that be ma'roof if she takes off the hijab? No. It will not be ma'roof. So she's not allowed to do that. Yes. Yeah. If there was an oath, like the woman says, I swear by Allah, I will keep this ring until I die. I will never take it off. And the husband says, yes, I am happy with you now. I love you. So later on she realizes, bad idea. I want to get married to somebody else. So, can she take it off? Yes, she can. But she made a promise. I mean, she gave her word and she swore by Allah. Then she has to break that oath and give the kafara. Okay? Then another important thing that we learn is that men are responsible for the women who are under their care. Because, which means that if a woman is married to her husband or she is living with her father or with her older brother or whatever, then if the father or the husband, they say to her, that look, Islamically you are supposed to pray Salah five times a day. Get up and pray. Is she supposed to listen to them? Yes. They tell her, wear hijab. Is she supposed to wear hijab? Yes. So let's say your father tells you, don't go out in those clothes. Wear a bigger shirt. Wear a skirt instead. Can you say, what does he know? Can you say that? No. You have to listen to him. As long as it is ma'roof. But if he tells you, don't step out of the house at all, and wear gloves, and your eyes should be covered as well, then I mean, yeah, it's... uh, Okay, some people think that you're supposed to do that, but you're not obligated to do that. Okay, so in that case, you have the choice. But the men have the right to discipline their women. In the Qur'an we learned that قوامون على النساء Men are the maintainers of their women and one of the meanings of قوام is that he's also the teacher. He's supposed to teach her what she's supposed to do, how she's supposed to pray, how she's supposed to dress up. Okay? So if your father, your brother, your husband tells you, that hijab, I think it's too bright. That skirt or those pants maybe are too snug. Those shoes, I don't think I want you to wear those right now. So what should you do? Don't get offended. Listen to them. You know why? Because they know what you don't know. What do they know? How other men look at you. And you have no idea. Your husband, your father, your brother, they know that how if you walk down the hallway, how other men are going to stare at you. They know what they're feeling. They understand better than you do. So listen to them. It's in your favor. That if the husband says that I'm telling you, don't do this. If you do it, then you are divorced. This is not right. This way of disciplining people by threat that you do this or else such and such will happen. It doesn't work. It only causes other people to become more rebellious. Like for example, if you tell your child, listen to me or else, no candy for you. Listen to me or else you go in your room. What's going to happen? At that time, the child will become afraid. And yes, he will listen. But as he will grow older, he will say, So what? I'll go buy my own candy. I'm not going to go in the room. The child won't move, right? So it's not the correct way of disciplining someone. Okay, It's not the correct way. However, if in some cases, the man thinks that the woman is not listening to me at all, and there are... Cases Inshallah, we will learn about later in Surah An-Nisa that the woman is doing nushuz, meaning she is very rebellious towards the husband. She doesn't accept his authority. Whatever he says, she says, whatever, mind your own business. I'm not going to listen to you. Then he has the right to take a step and say that, listen, woman, you are my wife. I'm your qawwam. I want you to do this so that our family can function properly. We can have a peaceful household. So I want you to listen to me. And if you don't listen to me, I'm sorry, this is not going to work. This relationship cannot survive like that. Okay, So the man has the right to take some drastic steps in order to discipline the wife, but it doesn't mean that in every little thing he starts taking those drastic steps because it's only going to lead to more problems in the family. Okay, So what we learn from this is the husband has the authority, the father has the authority to discipline the woman who is under her care. And this is just like as a parent. As a parent, do you feel that you should have the right to discipline your child? Yes. I mean, obviously, there are some limits. It doesn't mean that if you want your child to listen to, you start spanking him on every little thing. No. There are some limits, but as a parent, you have the right to discipline your child. Correct? Because you know what the child does not know. Likewise, as a teacher, do you not have the right to discipline the students who are under you? Yes. Yes, you have some limits, but you have to discipline the children, you have to discipline the students, because if you don't, then the students will suffer. For example, if the teacher says that you have to submit your assignment by this day, and if you don't, you lose five marks. Does the teacher have the right to do that? Yes, she does, because if she doesn't put that strict rule, then nobody's going to submit their assignment, right? Nobody's going to do that. So as the men are the ones who are responsible they're the ones who give the mahr, they're the ones who are to maintain the women, who are to look after the women, bear their expenses, and they're the ones who have the right to divorce. Likewise, they also have some authority in the sense that they have the right to discipline the women where necessary. But obviously, it has to be how? Ma'roof. It has to be ma'roof. Inshallah, we will discuss the details later as well. But just as an introduction to this topic, to this concept, I'm mentioning this point so that next time your father tells you pray or next time your father says, my dear, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to hang out with those friends. You say, okay, dad, you're right. I should listen to you. Then another important lesson that we learn in this verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, that there's no blame on you concerning what the women do with themselves. If they leave the house, as long as they leave it, how? In the manner that is ma'roof. So this means that a woman, when she leaves her house, when she steps out of her house, how should she leave? In what way? In a manner that is ma'roof. So what is this ma'roof? First of all, when she leaves, she should have the permission, the approval of her guardian. So she's going... It should be understood between, let's say, the wife and the husband that the wife goes to this place. You know, she has a right to go there. For example, it's understood the wife goes to get the groceries or she goes to pick up the kids. The husband knows about that. It's understood. Okay. But if, let's say, she wants to travel from one city to another, okay, she wants to go from Mississauga to, let's say, Ottawa. And she's like, I don't need to take permission from my husband. I'll just go for a drive, a long drive. And I'll come back tomorrow. And the husband comes back after work and he's like, where is my wife? Where did she go? What happened? Did I do something wrong? Is she mad at me? He's freaking out that what happened? And the wife is having a good time with her friends in Ottawa, going on a boat, you know, with her friends, having lunch over there. And the husband's worrying at home. And this is not right. When she steps out, she should take permission. Likewise, as young women, when we step out of the house, doing something that's different from usual, then what should we do? Take permission. Take permission from your parents before you leave the house. Mom, may I go to the mall? Dad, can I go to the friend's house? And don't say, I'm just going to, you know, chill with my friends. And they think that, okay, you're just going to the grocery store, because that's what apparently you do every time. And there you are at the movies and... You know, having popcorn and watching movies and then walking around the mall and you spend hours there and your father's wondering, where is my daughter? Or you say you're going to school and you go somewhere else. Now that's not appropriate. That's khianah. Isn't it so? That's betrayal. And we learned that khiyana, treachery, deceit, this is of the characteristics of who? The munafiqeen. You khadi'un Allah amanu. It doesn't befit a believer. So first of all, ma'roof is that when a woman steps out of the house, she takes the permission of her husband, of her father, of her guardian. She doesn't go somewhere without their permission. But if something is understood, then she doesn't have to ask him every time. Okay? It doesn't mean that you go to school. Dad, can I go to school? Okay? Can I go to the grocery store? Can I go to the park with the kids? Can I go here? No, you don't have to ask everything. But the different things, okay, that you don't usually do, that's not understood between the two of you likewise ma'ruf includes that the woman when she steps out of the house she is dressed appropriately okay she is dressed appropriately then ma'ruf also includes that when she steps out of the house she walks in a manner that is appropriate okay not that her hijab is flying and her abaya is open so as she walks the wind is blowing and her abaya is you know flying and you know she's walking in the park amusing everybody no ma'ruf walk we learned that the woman in Madian, that when Musa a.s. got to Madian, and he saw two women who had a flock of sheep, and they were controlling their sheep, they were holding the sheep back, and the rest of the shepherds, they were watering their animals. So he saw there was something not right. So he went up to the women and he said that, uh, what's wrong? They said that we wait for these men to go, and then we take our sheep, because we don't like to mingle with the men. So Musa a.s., he said, give me your sheep, I'll water them for you. Because Allahu alam, when these men are going to go, by the time these men will go, you never know, the water might be finished. So he took the sheep for them and watered them. And those two women, they went to their home early and their father was very old and their father asked that what happened today. So they mentioned to him about Musa a.s. So he said to his daughter, call that man. So when she came to Musa a.s. to call him, we learn in the Qur'an, Tamshi ala istihya. She was walking in a very shy manner. In a very modest manner. Okay? Women can walk in many different ways. They can walk in many different ways. Just like men can do. You know, they can have that gangster walk, like a macho man walk, okay? Likewise, a woman can walk like a model and she can walk like a modest woman. She can walk in different ways. Meaning she was walking in a very decent, modest manner. Not looking around and giving that smile and those looks that you see on the adverts, on the television. No. So when a woman walks out of the house, she should walk how? In the appropriate way. Likewise, maroof includes her صوت, her voice. That when she's out of the house, when she talks, she should talk in a manner that is appropriate. Not that she's at the door yelling at her kids come inside already. And the neighbors know that, oh, that woman is out again yelling at her children. And when they see her, she's covered head to toe. They're like, oh, interesting. That's what these women do. They're covered, but they have very loud voices and very sharp tongues. No. Saut has to be maruf The voice has to be maruf Likewise, when you're talking to, let's say, uh, people in stores, when you're asking them questions, when you're at a school, at an institute, at a business center, at a bank, wherever, when you're talking to people, it should be in a manner that is maruf. This doesn't mean that men are not required to observe maruf. No, of course they are. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us more clearly. Why? So that we take extra care of ourselves. Because we are women and we tend to forget a lot. And we tend to get carried away. So this is an important lesson that we learn from this verse, that the women... When they leave, they should go in a manner that is appropriate. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلْمُطَلَّقَاتِ And for the divorced women. al المطلقات, plural of? مطلقah. And who is مطلقah? The woman who has been given divorce. Okay? طَالَ أَمْقَافِ And al المطلقات, the divorced women, meaning all of the divorced women. In other words, every kind of woman who has been given divorce. But remember, talaq, we're not talking about khula', we're not talking about the death of the husband, we're talking about divorce. Whether revocable or, or irrevocable. Whether that divorce is given to a woman who is pregnant or not. Whether that divorce is given to the woman who has her period or not. Whether that divorce is given to a woman who is very young or she's older. Whether it is given to a woman with whom marriage was consummated or it was not consummated. Whether that divorce is given to a woman whose mahr was given or it was not yet given. وَلِلْمُطَلَّقَاتِ For all of the divorced women, Allah says, mata'un, A benefit. Ma'ruf In the manner that is appropriate. Meaning every woman who is divorced, when she is divorced, she should be given some مَتَاعٌ she should be given something that she can benefit from, and she should be given that by who? By the man who is divorcing her. And how much should that be? Bil Ma'ruf in the manner that is appropriate, meaning the amount that is conventional, that has been legislated by the Sharia, that is acceptable in the culture. And this is Hakan. This is incumbent. It is Haq, meaning it is necessary, it is a duty and obligation on who on those people who have taqwa. Meaning those who fear Allah, they should give the matar to the woman who is divorced. And those who don't give the matar to the woman who is divorced, what does it show? That they lack taqwa. They don't have the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, in the previous verses we have learnt what the matar of the divorced woman is. Let me ask you, let me quiz you. A woman who was given her mahar, the marriage was also consummated. How much is the matah? Huh? Full of the mahar, because we learned earlier that the men cannot take anything back. She keeps a hundred percent of the mahar that was given to her. Okay. If the mahar was not fixed, the mahar was not fixed and the marriage was also not consummated. Then what happens? The mahar not fixed, marriage not consummated. Then how much? Raise your hand, don't guess. According to the means. According to the means. Meaning the person will give according to his qadr, according to his capacity. If he can give a lot, he will give a lot. If he can give very little, he will give very little. If the mahar was fixed and the marriage was not consummated, then how much does she get? Half. Okay. And if the mahar was not fixed and the marriage was consummated, then? Exactly. Maharmithal. What is conventional, in other words, what was given to the women of her family or what the husband, his family generally gives to the women when they get married. Meaning what is acceptable? In that time, in that community, that has to be given. Thus does Allah clarify to you His signs, His verses, His instructions, meaning the commands that He has revealed. So that you use your aql, you use your intellect. Allah has clarified all of these commands. Why? So that you understand, you use your mind. What does it mean? That the commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us, they make us more mindful and conscientious people. They make us more careful people. They force us to use our mind. No matter what command it is, whether it is the command to give the matar to the divorced woman, or it is the command to not eat with the left hand, whatever command it is, it makes us more careful. la'allakum تَعْقِلُونَ We are made to use our brains. We are made to use our brains. And as a Muslim, you will experience this a lot. The more you become conscious of your Islam, the more you practice it, you will realize that you're using your mind more than you did before. How? You have to pray five times a day. So do you have to be alert about the time? Yeah? Or can you be like, oh whatever, I don't care whether it's three o'clock or five o'clock. Can you do that? No. If you want to live like a proper Muslim, you better know what time it is. You have to know what time sunrise is, what time sunset is. Correct? Likewise, do you have to know what day of the week it is? Do you have to know? Yes, because if it's Friday and the person is a man, then they're required to pray Salatul Jum'ah. Do you have to know what days of the month it is? Yes, because you want to fast on 13, 14, 15, and if you don't know what day of the month it is, then you have no idea. You can't benefit from that opportunity. Right? As a Muslim, as a Muslim woman, you have to be conscious and careful about your period compared to others. Why? Because it has to do with your salah. right? So we see that Allah wants us to live as conscious, alert people who are conscious, careful about what's going on in their own lives, in their communities, in the world, in the society. We cannot live like selfish people. We cannot live like negligent people. No, we have to be alert and conscious. لَعَلَّكُمْ taqiloon. Okay, let's listen to the recitation. وَالَّذِينَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا وَصِيَّةً لِأَزْوَاجِهِمْ مَدَاعًا إِلَى الْحَوْلِ غَيْرَ إِخْرَاجًا فَإِنْ خَرَجْنَا فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فيما مَا فَعَلْنَا فِي أَنفُسِهِنَّ مِنْ مَعْرُوفٍ وَاللَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ وَلِلْمُطْلَقَاتِ مَتَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُتَّقِينَ a question. If your husband doesn't think you should go out to increase your knowledge about Islam, because he won't agree to take care of the kids two days a week, then are you supposed to listen to him or not? Yes, no, maybe, I don't know there is a deeper problem over here. Okay? There is a problem in the relationship or something that the husband is not allowing the wife to go out of the house to study Islam. On the surface it seems, oh, the husband is being very selfish, but there is some problem there. So, diagnose the problem. What is the issue? Maybe he wants good breakfasts on Saturday and Sunday. Maybe it is that he finds it very difficult to take care of the kids because he doesn't like to change diapers and he doesn't like to take them to the washroom and he doesn't like to feed them. Possible. Or because he wants to go somewhere on Saturday, on Sunday, he wants to take it easy and he wants you to spend time with him as well. So then what should you do? Talk to him. Discuss with him. That look, I really want to study. This is something that is important to me. What can we do? Okay, I will give you breakfast in the morning. I will prepare the snacks and the lunches for the kids. I will take one kid with me and you keep the other kid. For example, I will be back as soon as the class ends, immediately. Okay, and we can go out at this time, immediately after class, we can go here, we can go there. So you have to talk to him and you have to make a plan and you have to decide your matters amongst yourselves. Because he has the right. He's been out all week. He wants a good breakfast on Saturday morning. He wants to have a good lunch on Sunday afternoon. She's saying that her mother, she's busy Monday to Saturday because she has classes, she has work. And before she goes, before she steps out of the house, she prepares the food for her dad and then she goes. Everything is ready before she goes. So you know what? You have to struggle a little bit and inshallah we will learn about that, about struggling in the way of Allah. That is also important. You have to put in more effort. You lose your, you know, time to sleep in on Saturday morning. You would like to take it easy, but you have to rush, you know, cook and do this and do that. You're struggling, you're aching, you're exhausted, but sometimes you have to do that because the husband also has a right and Allah also has a right. His book also has a right on us. Okay? Sometimes, yes, things get difficult, but after difficulty, there is always ease. And with the difficulty comes reward, inshaAllah. Right? And also remember that if the husband says to the wife, no, you're not going here. I don't want you to get registered for a course that's like six years long and you're going every day, five days a week. I don't want you to do that. Then okay, consider a different option. Consider a different option. And these days, believe me, you can find any option. You want to study in the mornings? You can find that. You want to study in the weekends? You can find that. You want to study in the evenings? You can find that. You want to study full time? You can find that. You want to study part time? You can find that. You want to study in your house? Is that option available? Yes. That option is also available. So you have to see what is in the best interest of your family life, your husband, your children, and then make a decision accordingly. Because as a woman, you are obligated to listen to your husband. As a woman, you are obligated to look after your children. You can't neglect your family just because you want to learn. Right? They are also important. They have a right as well. And they have to be given their rights too. Okay? Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika na shaduwaan la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.